the big silence, empowering personal experiences, inspiring compassion, and healing lives. We are no longer silent. We are here. The big silence. Hello and welcome to the Big Silence Podcast. I am your host, Karina Dawn. I'm a mental health advocate, wellness entrepreneur, and co-founder of the leading women's fitness community, Tone It Up. I'm also a New York Times bestselling author and founder of the nonprofit, The Big Silence Foundation. I'm also a wife, daughter, friend, and yes, palm mom of five. And just like you, I'm a work in progress. I have experienced profound grief and trauma and then found deep joy in life. And now I'm here to share my story, be a safe space for you to share yours. And we're having in-depth conversations with psychologists, doctors, spiritual leaders, friends, and others who have been impacted directly or indirectly by a mental health condition. No more embarrassment, no more shame, no holding back, only healing. Let's go! Mental health is my wealth, the stress upon the shelf. Nobody can love me the way I love myself. Seek and ye shall find the truth and the light. I'm living my purpose, so I sleep good at night. No more depression or spiritual recession. And every day that I wake up, it's a blessing. So breathe in, breathe out. Everybody in the house know what I'm talking about. The big silence. The big silence. So I just got back from New York yesterday. I was um, there for press. It was such a adventure, a wild adventure to canceled flights delays, almost missed a layover. And then um, got to New York and I was going there for my book launch day, which mm-hmm. was April 26th. Did a bunch of lives in my hotel room and I was there for the Tamron Hall show, which was amazing. But coincidentally, and Tamron has said this on her show, she tested positive for COVID the day I was supposed to go on. <laughs> so I was like, awesome. And then I was going to miss my flight home. And um, a friend of mine was like, I'll get you a helicopter. That's it. I know. There's that. And I'm here. And we have the bus, the tour bus running in the driveway right now. Packing. Just did a podcast with Kyle Cease, which is this one. I wasn't expecting it to be so lengthy. It was about, it was longer than I thought, but... And I cried again, but you guys know I cry at like everything, <laughs> but it was a really good conversation and definitely listen all the way through. There's so many takeaways for myself <laughs> and for everyone else. What do you think, Bobby? I mean, it's not what I think, but uh, <laughs> how do you feel? I had to go step outside before we did this intro and you know, when you have these difficult, tough conversations, and especially in the work I'm doing now with the big silence, there's a lot of heaviness mm-hmm. and a lot of whew, I'm releasing so much from my body, but at the same time, I'm taking so much in, but I'm learning so much. But I am saying so much, which is all part of the human process. And I love it. Mm. So, I think he really tapped into some really important stuff with you and some vulnerability things deep in the core. And it was interesting, like sitting and just listening, not looking, um, where I could hear these like subconscious resistance to 
allowing that. Um, there was definitely some breakthroughs, I think some areas that probably um, will probably continue to be work, which and is great. What are you talking about in particular? About that rock box inside of you and maybe trying to do everything, take control of some things in order to continue the story of you trying to save your mom, you know, make it right. Yeah. Whew, it's a good one. If you're ready to see me cry again and cry with me, listen to it. So I first discovered Kyle C's few years ago. I was at a Wanderlust festival doing, you know, I like to do my own solo weekends. Um, this was probably in 2018 or 2019. And Kyle was speaking on stage and I was like, oh, I love this guy. And so he was a comedian and he talks about his journey on the way, but he was um, on Comedy Central at the peak of his career, but he wasn't fully feeling fully fulfilled in what he was doing. And he changed his path to transformational comedy. Uh, or It's amazing. So then he spoke a second time that weekend and Bobby got back from a, I think you were in Vegas on a bachelor party. You remember that? I don't. Uh, you have a terrible memory. Anyways, so and he met me at Wanderlust and watched Kyle's second uh, second speech on the main stage, and no. and he was like, "Oh, I love that guy." So then for Christmas that December, I bought you tickets to Kyle Cease's hey, meditation Car. retreat. This is very long. This is a very long. I, I, I think we should probably do a abbreviated intro, maybe. No, this is it. No. So, anyways, I bought you a I'm present, and then you were you were like, "Wait, is this present for me? It's a meditation retreat. Is it for me or is it for you?" I said, "It's for both of us." But, anyways, it was amazing, and we went to another one. It was really tough the first two days. I, I was even like, "I can't do this." I was sitting in silence, and then all the the emotional and deep work that was done in that room but then by the end of it the last day you were like i want to buy tickets to the next retreat yeah kyle's amazing yeah i really like him all right so here you go kyle sees <laughs> all right kyle sees is here we um we're just chatting about how I'm a huge fan of Kyle's and wanted him on the podcast. And welcome, Kyle. Hi, thank you. Hi. <laughs> so when I first was introduced to you, was at a Palm Springs event for Wanderlust. And there was something that I always repeat and I and a lot of interviews and stuff. I'm like, Kyle C said, if you can't sit alone with yourself in silence, then how do you expect others to sit with you? Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that weird? Like, well, it's weird, first of all, just to think about the fact that I don't think to most people there's anything scarier than sitting with yourself. Like mm -hmm. to actually be with your emotions with no internet, no distraction, no one else there, no restaurant, whatever. You're just being for a lot of people is scary. Now, I know there's some people that are like, no, I'm very introverted. I like to be alone. And that's not what I'm talking about. That's repressing feelings. But like, 
in your body, there's feelings always coming up. And we're very scared to just be with ourselves. So we have all these escapes, right? We have blame, we have gossip, we have uh, the internet, we have YouTube, we have the internet and YouTube should be under the same category, but we have even goals, like even just goals. Like I'm going to build this huge career to fix the fact that I'm scared of being abandoned. I'm going to build this enormous thing. You know, I know my new dream is this. And I think there's people that would rather attack other people. I think there's people that would rather kill other people than be with their own feelings. Right. And um, that's a really trippy thing. So yeah, if you, if you can't be with yourself, just so you know, that energy that you can't be with is what you're expecting your partner to be with. That's what you're expecting your friends to be with. That's what you're expecting your coworkers to be with that part of you that you can't even stand. Right. And I think that part of you that we have a hard time being with is an energy that's here to prevent trauma that it felt in its childhood. I think that's what it is you're scared to be with. Like, imagine that uh, when you're a kid, if you're yelled at or, or hit or abandoned and you feel the trauma with your little kid body and you get so scared, your bodies you can't process what just happened and release it when you're sick. So you create something, you create a character that gets more clingy so it won't be abandoned or is making sure your parents are okay so it doesn't get hit or yelled at or whatever. And then you create a false character and you call that character your name. And now you're identified with a pattern as me. And that's this pattern is here making sure it's not abandoned and it's making sure it's not whatever. And it does everything it can to not be that again right? So it's life is that. And when you finally get present and you listen to it, it learns, if you're really patient, it learns uh, a sentence that I tell people to say, whatever it is, abused, abandoned, invisible, say to it, you're allowed to be abandoned in my body. Mm. Imagine if the pattern in the body was allowed to feel unloved or allowed to feel this is when you shift from being scared you'll lose the love from your parents when you were five to becoming the parent of that energy. And that's the shift I believe we're in. And I think all the characters we created in our childhood to avoid trauma are all coming to the surface right now. And all of the collect, like what the big shift in starting 2020 is all of the darkness in the world is, is coming to light. All of our inner darkness, all of our inner pain, but also like who the government really is, also the, who the media really is, all coming up. So all of our collective darkness is coming to light. So imagine in the old paradigm, you know, we learn to think positive. Mm -hmm. And that's like going into a pitch black garage and aiming the flashlight on only the positive things. But imagine now we're in a place where the lights are on in the whole garage. So we can also see the dead body in the corner with the, the rats all over it. So just avoiding it and thinking positive isn't going to be enough. We have to allow the darkness and the pain and the abandonment and the pain we're in to come out. And the people who understand that's what's happening and what's happening right now are freeing themselves. And the people who don't are attached to the idea of that character that's avoiding the trauma is me. And so I think that they're getting more addicted because it's still coming to life. But what's coming to light, they think is them, but it's just a pattern. And what you are is this moment. And the more you can be with you, you'll just be here and present and a magical and amazing. 
then the, the ideas of little things you created as protection from getting hurt disappear because they're seen by this love that you are. So this, for those listening, and I feel like what we've started since 2020 and everything and all the transitions, and I want to get into transition and the ego and old story, but everyone who's listening, what is your greatest advice as a tool for those struggling right now and what kind of practice? Because there's I get a ton of DMs and it's it's hard right now. Yeah. I mean, the biggest word that comes to mind is allow, allow the feeling of how it's hard um, versus the egoic fix of it. Like, let's say you're feeling like something's really challenging and you, you run to an egoic solution. Like if you're feeling really broke in that moment of pain, I really believe creating a business is a bad idea. I'm totally for creating a business, but if you're doing it out of a fear of going broke, which under it is probably a fear of being shamed by a parent or a fear of being unworthy or unloved, right? And action in that moment is a bad idea because the action is to prevent the trauma from coming to light. It'd be like, imagine if it was all physical and not emotional. Imagine if vomit was about to come to the surface and every time it did, you could push it back down again by, you know, going to eat at a Mexican restaurant or creating a new thing or finding a new girlfriend or boyfriend. These are solutions to stopping you from puking, but life still wants you to puke it up. Right. And so the, all of the pain that's coming up, I want to offer something that could really help. None of it is actually you. It's a pattern, every limitation, every, yeah, but my story is you literally need the past to say that. And the past doesn't exist. So it's understand and raise your awareness to the fact that you are so much more this moment than the patterns that are here in the pain from the past and in the solutions in the future. You're this moment. And the more you merge into the now, the more the patterns can come to light. And when they're cried out, that's what happens is that usually they're cried out, right? Mm -hmm. If you feel this fear of anxiety, right? You feel all this anxiety, obviously have whatever solution you need to have. I'm not saying anything like, you, you know, if you need to talk to a doctor, that's great. Get psychiatry, whatever you need. But at the same time, imagine if the anxiety also was loved versus fixed. When anxiety comes on, like now I, I can give it a name. And instead of having anxiety, like rise up, I'm like, anxiety is coming on, accept it. I'm feeling, or I need, I, I, I allow myself to cry without shame anymore. Where like tears in the past was like, no, Karina, you have to be strong. And you know, I even did a morning show in New York yesterday and I cried on it. It's like, well, crying again. But yeah. allowing yourself to feel and it, it's a beautiful thing. And I think people need to hear more of that, of just being free and stopping the pattern. I'd love to talk more about stopping the pattern. Well, or loving the pattern. Loving. See, you're, the, reason, the reason I believe we're on this planet is to learn a new level of love. Mm-hmm. And everything that triggers us is just showing us places we haven't accepted in ourselves. So for instance, let's say you're an empath and you always end up with a narcissist. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and you often end up with one, you know, I, I know that who you're with is awesome. So that doesn't, yeah. no, I was, I wasn't raising my hand to say Bobby's a the narcissist. The narcissist but <laughs> he's over here. He's like, what? No, but I attract narcissists because yes. <laughs> I'm an empath. Well, well, Tell well, me about that. Help me. Well, 
Well, first of all, let's go into that for a second. Here's what, I mean, we all have our different definitions of an empath and that's fine. And there's, I just want to offer a way that I see an, an empath. It's you're more aware of other people's feelings over your own. You're more conscious of what other people feel. It's, and, and the solution to that is to counterbalance that with getting aware of what you need to, right? In other words, it's great that you know what other people feel, but most people use that to numb what they felt. So an empath can often forgive too early, even though on the ultimate level, they're already forgiven. But let's say an empath is like immediate to go, you know, my mom never treated me well and she knew what she was doing and I totally understand it's all perfect. Okay, here's why this is spiritual bypassing. It's because you're using that to cover up what you felt. What you're saying is true about that parent, right? It, they did do the best they could. That's actually true. But what if you're saying that as a way to cover what you felt? So if we go, oh, when mom did that, I felt completely unseen. I, I felt scared. This is just honoring the feelings that were in the body. Because if you're empathetic in that, in the way I'm describing, you're numbing what that kid felt and keeping it down. And then what are you doing? You're literally using what other people are feeling out of fear that they'll leave you or hurt you or something like that to numb what you feel. Right. And if you, if an empath is like, I'm, I need to be a people pleaser and an empath because my biggest fear is disappointing someone or my biggest fear is being abandoned. I would have them right there say, you're allowed to be abandoned in my body. Because now what are you saying? Even if this person abandons you or yells at you or shames you, you're still here with it. And the number one thing the energy in your body just wants is to know that you're with it. It doesn't actually care if other people see it. We just falsely believe that. Like if you have a fear of being under, or you have a fear that you won't be understood. The egoic solution to that is to get someone outside of you to understand you. Like finally, when my partner gets me or when my mom understands or my kids or whatever, Okay, you're creating a false middleman that you're only understood by them. But what when they understand you does is it causes you to finally see yourself. You just use their eyes as the jump start. So you can cut out this middleman of needing to be seen by anyone outside of you and start the process of being with the energy that's coming up and is horrified. And what it's horrified of is that the biggest trauma you felt in your childhood you're going to feel again now. It thinks that if you follow your heart, you'll be beaten again by that parent, even if that parent is dead, even if that parent's gone, whatever it is, it's the body and the trauma thinks it's still in that same moment. And the more we move into the now and let the feeling come up, the more that it will dissolve, right? And I believe this is right here. When you hear this talk about moving to a higher density, from third to fourth density or moving to from third to fifth dimension. To me, a, a less airy-fairy but more practical way to see it is think of the heavy density in the body of a pattern that's trying to make everything outside of it happy so that it doesn't get hurt versus that energy being purged and replaced with kind of a now lighter frequency so that you and source are just moving directly and you're not caught in all the suitcase baggage of everything going on in the world. And your, your happiness isn't based on only circumstances, but you're an ascending being that's actually releasing the patterns that you've been carrying since you were a kid. And these patterns were here to 
protect you when you were five and six years old, but now you're grown up. So you're not in that household and we can thank those patterns. You know, we can say, thank you for protecting me when I was a kid, you know, and, and this teaches you to start to love every part of you. So what I was going to say is empaths are often like really understandably anti-narcissists, but the truth is we all have some narcissistic energy in our body and we all have some empathetic energy and many people swing way more full narcissists or more full empath or whatever. But I have people who are bitterly angry at a narcissist in their life, which I understand. But part of the reason for that also is the fact that in their body is narcissistic energy that they've never learned to love. So if you could be like, I love you, even if at times you're a narcissist in yourself, you can cry that out. You'll ascend higher than the people that are stuck in their full narcissistic body. And you won't be so triggered by them, but you'll be freer and maybe even give them permission to free because you're creating a lighter world where people are getting more permission to release. Like the more butterflies there are in the world, the more caterpillars will get into the cocoon. But if you're a butterfly pushing caterpillars into a cocoon, you're using the caterpillars as an excuse not to fly. Did that make sense? That was a lot, but it felt amazing. (laughs) I'm I'm like sitting here soaking it all in just for my own therapy. (laughs) Um, And yeah, it all makes sense. And um, I wanted, it all makes sense. And then I don't know. I have so many, like this topic of forgiveness comes up on the podcast so much. And like from Zach, Zach Williams was on here talking about it. And, and then Terry Cole, um, she's a psychotherapist. She's freaking amazing. I don't know if you know her, but we've been talking about forgiveness so much. And then, cause I've been a forgiveness factory and then they're like, no, I, I, yeah, all that makes sense in my head. I'm wrapping around in my own story and that I've been telling myself, um, in my old, old story. Well, um, I can, I can offer a thought on forgiveness. That's my perspective. That's, mm-hmm. that's probably going to sound crazy, Perfect. but on the ultimate level, you're already forgiven and the people who hurt you are already forgiven. It's our ego that gets to decide when it allows the forgiveness that's already here to come through. So imagine like there's like a building and the doors open and then the ego standing in front, like I decide when they go in. Well, the place is open, right? Like, and, and the power of understanding true atonement and forgiveness is it can take you to a frequency where things that you didn't like about yourself or, or that you want to change or whatever, it takes you to a world where that would not happen anymore. So there's a lot of people that fake forgive, right? Mm-hmm. They're like, no, I, okay. I, you know, my friend knew what they were doing. I get it. You know, they, but it's, it's fine that you do not forgive them. You have not forgiven them. And, and there's a frequency that they're forgiven and they might not forgive themselves too. But this space right here loves you and it doesn't care if what your bank account is or what your past story is or anything you've done. It just holds the space of forgiveness. Now, that doesn't mean we go, oh, I already know I'm forgiven and stay in the same energy because that's spiritual bypassing. It's we got to heal the energy uh, we got to receive that it's healed until we align with it so much that the old baggage that would do that action or the old baggage that's judging what other people are doing is cleared out, right? Because it's really not forgiving. It's just the ego trying to stay on, but that's just a pattern staying on. Like if I forgive my ex-boyfriend, then I'm also forgiving my dad. 
right? Mm-hmm. It's the same thing, right? And it can't forgive dad, so it can't forgive the ex-boyfriend, or it does at a shallower level, but the body is still in all those triggers. So to me, true ascension takes you to a frequency where you leave where you were and release it and move to an ascension to a planet where none of those things would happen anymore because you're at a higher frequency that that's actual forgiveness. For those listening who maybe don't understand like higher frequency or any of this, like, what do you mean by that? Sure. Well, kind of what I was describing earlier, imagine frequency as a weight. Like if you think that you true, the, the you that's always in your head, that's trying to get somewhere else, that's feeling addicted all the time, that can't figure out relationships, that's always triggered. If you think that's you, um, do you think that's you or do you think that's some energy baggage that's in your body? Right. Because I've transformed a lot of things about myself. And in the past, I used to think those things were me. Right. I used to think that, you know, I'm someone who's always messy. And it turns out I'm less and less messy. Right. I'm someone who procrastinates on stuff. It turns out I'm able to change that. I've always been someone who always wants to wear my shoes in the house because I was a stand up comic and always felt like I had to go to the next gig. And now I'm turning out to actually like taking them off in the house. Like that sounds like a small thing, but I want you to think of every limitation you think you have. If you think that's you, you're going to have a hard time letting go of it because to remove it would be death to you, right? If you think you're always a worrier and you say, I'm worrying, that's a lot different than there's worrying energy in my body, right? Mm -hmm. If you understand that can't be you, then it's a pattern. It's just clothes you're wearing. It's, It's just what you've conditioned yourself to be as a survival mechanism in your childhood, from a lower consciousness time with parents that grew up in an even lower consciousness, right? Then you, and an example I use in one of my books is I say, imagine that we went to another planet and each one of us was raised by two 20 foot tall aliens. Okay. Imagine if you're literally for survival, you notice that one of the parent aliens is 20 foot tall. You can barely understand him because it's a new planet for you, just like a child. And he comes home drunk. Every night he comes home drunk. So what would you do? You would, you would uh, maybe get quiet so he doesn't yell at you. You would be protecting yourself. Survival is here because you have to do what you have to do to not get physically hurt. And let's say the, the mom alien really loves it when you tap dance. And every time you tap dance, the mom alien is really impressed and she shows all her friends. And you realize I get love when I tap dance and I have to stay quiet around this one. And say, let's say for 20 years, you're raised by those aliens. And then let's say when you're done, you go out to the rest of the planet and you meet all the other aliens. And now you're quiet and tap dancing and these aliens don't give a shit, right? So if that's the case, what is this? You're on a frequency of survival out of a pattern that you learned to not get hurt or shamed or abandoned by the specific parents you were raised by. But that has nothing to do with what you are. So that feeling of survival and protecting from trauma happening is a lower frequency. It's fear, right? And so there's an actual frequency to it, like the difference between an AM and an FM radio, or, you know, there's a frequency to this channel that says that you're here 
to just constantly not feel the patterns that you felt when you were a child and your life needs to be making decisions over and over and over that continually protect the 20 foot tall aliens from hurting you, even if they're no longer in your life or you don't live with them anymore. What would a higher frequency be? Those patterns healed and you moving through a guidance system that feels expansive and not protective. And the more you follow your expansion, I've discovered the more it creates a divine boundary. Like a lot of times people are like, what about boundaries? You can't, yeah, I get that. But the more you go up in frequency, the more they're, you're not reachable to them. The more that you go up in frequency, the more people that would want to hurt you literally will leave your life. The more you go up in frequency, the more your light scares the shit out of other people that haven't looked at their patterns and that the people that, that have bad intentions for you leave, right? So mm -hmm. a frequency to me is not only also physical, but much more uh, a, a spiritual, soulful, but tangible, not airy-fairy thing, but a lightness that puts you more in the now. And the more you're in the now, the more you follow higher callings and not, and, and I find like the pattern to me is, I've talked about this before too, but in many moments of every day, you feel this opportunity that's expansive show up in your body. It's the kind of thing that would say, what if we just left that company or started the band or, or just got out of this or said yes to this or flew to Italy today, right? Whatever. Mm -hmm. It's this expansive feeling that asks a question. It gives you no evidence of what's on the other side because it's a feeling, not mental understanding. It's just like a, a calling. And whenever that shows up, the egoic pattern is scared it's going to die. So it comes up with a reason why you shouldn't. So imagine on one side, you got the opportunity coming in. Like, what if I just let go of this right now? What if we just had a kid? What if, you know, whatever it is, right? The, but it's a feeling that's guided. It feels like an opening when you feel it. But right when you do, that would be death of a pattern that says, I would never do something like this. So the pattern kicks in and comes in with a bunch of mental reasons why you shouldn't. And they're always stupid reasons, right? So you'll be like in this first thing, what if we left this company? And it comes up with like, yeah, well, if we do, we, we can't go to the cheesecake factory party next Thursday. Mm -hmm. And you're sitting here with this feeling that can't tell you this because it wants you to follow your heart and not evidence. And it goes, if you learn to follow me, you'll own all the cheesecake factories in a month. And the second voice is like, yeah, but they have those Thai lettuce wraps. And if you've ever been in a relationship with someone for a long time, that you didn't want to be with because you know that eventually the two of you were going to go camping. You know what I'm talking about, right? Like has everyone watching has ever been in a relationship with someone they absolutely can't stand, but they're like with them for three more months because Christmas is coming. That's you ignoring a calling, a higher frequency, a, an expansion for a really stupid small yeah, but that's really you practicing staying in a lower frequency because you're scared to leave the story of your childhood, right? Now, if you follow the expansion that goes, screw this, I'm leaving now, or I'm saying yes now to this higher thing, it kills the pattern through love of the lower frequency. And the, the you that's the story of I am someone who gets love from my parents by being small or being, you know, uh, addictive, like my dad was or whatever, dissolves and is 
you literally create a wider, more expansive now frequency to become a space of love, to see the old pattern, and it will release through usually tears. And the next day, you're now a new person. You're different than what you've been in a linear timeline. I love this interview so far. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just listening to you. I have questions. Okay. You obviously have great advice here. And uh, I'm just listening and it's brilliant. But so for myself, I started this whole mental health movement because of what I grew up in my childhood. And so you were in comedy, living your dream, doing up at the top at Comedy Central. And then you had this breakthrough. And I believe you, you know, went through your own, I don't want to put words in your mouth that you can explain the mental health that you went through. And then you came to Evolving Out Loud and this new journey Mm -hmm. and this new you and something passionate. Like Number one, like what happened in your childhood? Because that's why I do the work that I do is because of my childhood. What happened in your childhood that now you want to evolve out loud? Well, it's, it's interesting because one of the things we do is we create so many patterns that we even think are our dream. Like I was a stand-up comic starting as a, a little kid. Like I was doing it in elementary school and then I was doing it at open mics when I was 12 and was a was a headlining comedian at 18 years old. And I was really good at it. I had a huge Comedy Central career. I had two top specials and everything. And I've always thought this is my calling, right? It dawned on me maybe a few years ago that also a way that I bonded with my father more and avoided feelings of not being seen or feelings of not loved or whatever was through comedy. His uncle was the prop man. My great uncle was the prop man for Gallagher. And my dad's mom was a famous puppeteer. She was on the Carol Burnett show and stuff. Mm -hmm. So comedy was very normal in our house. And I felt a lot of joy watching stand-up comics, but I, it dawned on me that I also mainly loved watching that with my parents. And I, I also felt safer and more seen and loved at restaurants than at home, right? Like I noticed that my, my dad had an office in the house and that was the 80s version of having a cell phone. So he's kind of energetically one foot in the office and, and spaced out a lot. And um, at times not feeling completely safe. And I ended up becoming a stand-up comic and getting really good at it. And I actually wonder if it was to be seen by my parents. I actually Mm. now look at it like it was my dream career and I had it till I was like 33 or 34 years old. But I also really look at it like, what if our dream What if our big childhood dream was something we created as an escape from feelings of, you know, enmeshment with the parents, abuse from the parents, abandonment from the parents? Like if you're in your house and you feel no one sees me and then you start doing a talk show with your stuffed animals in your bedroom and then you think your dream is to be a DJ, maybe that's your solution (laughs) to the thing. I'm not saying it's not our dream and it absolutely still was my dream at the highest level of consciousness I knew, but I felt much safer through stand-up comedy and I felt like I was finally seen through stand-up comedy. By your dad? Did you definitely feel like, yeah. 
yeah, my dad, when my dad, when I was a grown up, even my dad would show all his people that he worked with and stuff like, this is my son, look at this. And, you know, it was this kind of connection and I love my dad, but that was the primary way I felt like I bonded with him. I didn't feel like we had a very present childhood at all. I didn't feel he was very much, you know, in his head. And by the way, most of my twenties and early thirties, I was too. It was like, I was the same guy. I was like, I'm going to get on stage and I'm going to, you know, uh, I, all that matters is how I look and how successful I am. And, you know, um, and those are patterns that we pick up and we become like the parent and we also, you know, and so, yeah, I think that I felt seen through those things. And at one point uh, I was on stage, the first breakthrough of all of this was I was on stage and I was, I had performed so many nights in a row that I could do my act almost in my sleep and still have a good show, but inside I'd be really bored. Like I could literally just, I could riff, I'd be even doing off the cuff stuff, but inside I'm thinking like, oh shit, did I lock the door? And you know, I'm bored inside mm-hmm. and I wasn't really, I was having a good show on the external, but I wasn't being challenged to my fullest to create on a whole new level because I could pull off a standing O in a two hour show because I just did it every night. Right. So it'd be like, you know, if you became a green belt in karate or something and the whole world is sitting at, you know, as far as that's concerned, they love you at yellow belt. You're getting enough love at green belt that you don't need to move to black belt because you're, you're getting enough love at that level. So I believe very much that what's amazing about life is if you're not living at your heart's true edge and expansion, your mind will kick in and and literally creatively sabotage you. It'll come up with anxiety. If you're a Harvard senior and you're living in a third grade classroom, you're going to be more screwed up than the third graders, right? So that's the same with anyone watching. If you're getting anxiety, that's a sign that you're actually brilliant. Like, don't you think if Prince I'm left? Brilliant. Oh, oh. <laughs> if Prince was at the peak of his music career and then left to go to a community college jazz band and learn music theory, he'd be bored out of his mind because he's <laughs> the most innovative, you know, or, or if Michael Jackson did. Imagine if Michael Jackson at the peak of Billie Jean took like some beginning music class, right? That would be so horrifyingly boring for him, right? So imagine if that happened, that's, and, and imagine if you right now or anyone here is, is literally being guided to some expansive place, but you're scared you'll lose connection with the mediocrity of society. So we stay connected. We eat mediocre food. We, we live mediocre patterns. We watch mediocre shows. We just keep streaming crap on YouTube and Netflix to, to like undo the boredom that exists because you're staying connected to a frequency that has nothing to do with where your soul wants to be. Yeah. I have a question again. Sure. Um, so you speak about living in your full expansion and you help a lot of people. Where are you at in your life now? Cause we've, you mentioned before we started about transition and being like, well, maybe who I was yesterday is not, and what I said is maybe not what I agree with today, but where are you? Because even our greatest teachers are going through a lot and we've learned a lot and that's why we share it. But I just want to know, like, 
are you in your full expansion? Yes. And where are you going? I think I, think I am. You know, okay. here's, here's the difference in the last couple of years for me than before that is I'm losing any sense of a linear timeline, <laughs> meaning like I don't see any specific future because instead of being like on a floor in a building and looking down the floor and seeing all the future, we're all moving on to an elevator. And the elevator, if you're on an elevator, think of what an elevator is. It's, it's a room that gets completely, can get pitch black. You can't see what's on the outside of it. It feels like you're moving much less, yet you're moving much more. The ego wants to stay on floor one and, and have full control of everything in the first floor, and it does not want to ascend. Now, imagine if what, what 2020 was, was um, if, if you look at 2020, not just from a conspiracy side, not just from a, what's the government doing, not just from what the mainstream narrative is, whatever, but you look at it from a universal perspective. Let's, let's look at what God might have been doing changing the patterns that you had in your life to never have to question who you are. Like in 2019, you might've had a decent enough job or just the constant ability to travel wherever you want or a mediocre enough relationship or the ability to go to restaurants whenever you wanted to distract you from you. And then 2020 happens and we suddenly are in this place where we have to stay home more. We have to put a thing over our face that, you know, I, I don't, I'm not a fan of, but on a spiritual level, when you go to a meditation retreat, sometimes you're silent for 10 days and you're being forced to connect more with you. So the upside to it for me on a spiritual level was I was covered up and much more connected to me than needing to be seen by everyone else in the store and whatever. So my patterns were broken. And what does this do? This causes you to hear what you really feel. And I think we can all agree that in the last couple of years, Many of us shed many things that weren't the truest version of ourselves. Many friendships collapsed, us, us getting clarity of where our family's even at, right? We let go of so many things. And on February 2020, I was doing ayahuasca and I said, do it, merge me with my soul, no matter what the cost. And then COVID started and uh, people that were in my life left. And I found that many people that were in my life were people that, um, were not my highest and I thought were. And people that were, you know, they they connected to each other and that's fine. And then I went to this frequency where I connected to myself more. And then we had this two-year thing. I was about to go do events and tour with Deepak right before this started. And I was excited for the <laughs> the higher version of me that way. Yeah. But then COVID started and for the first time in my life, I had two years of staying at home and doing all the work at home. I did 1,400, I think, one-on-ones in the last two years. Oh, I learned so much more about me. But the best part is I started learning about having a home because I'd been a touring speaker since I was in my teens and I lived on the road. The best part of it is I became a 10 times more present father. I, I found so much more joy in being a father to my amazing daughter. I let go of a lot of things that were a ton of extra expenses. <laughs> we had, uh, you know, like I used to tour and do events at the hotels and pay the hotels and pay for the whole staff to fly all the time. I suddenly had very little expenses and just got to sleep in for the first time and felt a separation a little bit from, uh, 
from, you know, when I used to be done on the stage, I would stay standing on the stage and everyone asked me questions and I'd be off at six, but then I'd really be off at like 10 at night sometimes because I'd be talking to everyone at events. Instead, I just, when I'm done working, I turn the button on my computer and I have almost like divine boundaries for myself, which makes me better and more present for the people that I'm with. But I have much more time with my family now and my daughter and, and yeah. uh, it's amazing. It's definitely shifted even for me. Cause I was also like always like never in one city for more than three days at a time. And yeah. then I became like such a homebody. And then when I started traveling again for work, I was like, started getting anxiety. I'm like, how do I do this? But now I'm getting used to it again. I'm actually leaving in two, three hours. I have to pack my tour bus. It's parked outside of our house. And I'm on the road for a month for a mental health tour and my book tour. But um, going out there back on tour, I'd actually, I've, I, I'm excited for it. But um, that's amazing. No. personal question. So many people I know are doing ayahuasca. What made you choose that? And like, what was that experience? Because so, you know, a lot of people don't yeah. know what that is, but it's very common these days. I can tell you a ton of stories about it, actually. But I'd love to hear. <laughs> oh, my God. I have so many. Well, I was introduced to it by Michael Beck with calling me and asking me if I wanted to speak at an event in Costa Rica called Rhythmia. Mm -hmm. Rhythmia is an amazing resort that uh, has different spiritual speakers. And uh, I went out there and spoke and also uh, experimented with it. Was that your first time? That was my first time when, when he asked me if I wanted to do that. And then, yeah. you know, what I actually felt was in cartoonishly ridiculous ways, it, it, it actually took me to quite a bit of what I had already been through with my shifts I mean, it made them neon and crazy, but it's like meditating for 40 years in one night and, and it's speeding up the process. And it's an amazing thing. I'd absolutely recommend trying it, but I don't recommend uh, getting hooked on it or thinking it's the only way out because it's just trying to help you find the highest version of you. My experience of it is sometimes it takes you to a very safe, loving, unconditional place. Sometimes it takes you to a feeling of oneness where you see all separations lie or are arbitrary lines that we have, like I'm with this person or, uh, you know, I'm, you know, long-term goals kind of dissolve in it or whatever. It also did a lot of healing in emotional traumas that were in the body. Like one time, I had been in a relationship with someone, then we broke up, but for a couple of years, that person and I stayed really good friends. And I don't know if you've ever stayed good friends with an ex, but then also felt scared to move forward. Like you guys know you're not together, but at the same time, you know that if you started dating someone else, they'd be sad. So like I had this feeling of a fear of abandoning her and I couldn't really fully be my authentic self without this feeling that I would be abandoning her. So when I did... So it was like, this is like 2014 or so. And I go to Rhythmia and I do ayahuasca. And there was a woman that I really was interested in that I wanted to move forward with. Um, this might've been 2016 actually. And I wanted to move forward with this woman. And I was scared that it would hurt the feelings of the girl from the past. So I take ayahuasca and usually when you take it often you throw up. And it sounds bad, but it's kind of amazing. And when you're finally on it enough, you kind of don't care. It's like this amazing experience. It's like you're watching it come out in rainbow colors and it's this crazy thing. 
<laughs> you don't care. Like the sound of everyone else puking in the room is gorgeous. And it's not this different feeling. It kind of purges some of the fears or it takes your deepest um, subconscious traumas and brings them to the surface so they can be faced. So this woman that I was scared to really move forward from and let go of energetically, I'm getting nauseous and I can feel this energy in my body and the energy in my body starts to become her swimming around in my stomach. So the nausea started to become her. And when I threw up, I watched her come out of my mouth <laughs> and then I watched her flapping in the bucket like a fish. And, and, and then I floated over her bed and said goodbye to her in the, in the vision. And then I, I, I floated over the new woman's bed and said, hi. And I, I came out of the ayahuasca 100% done with any of the feelings of fear of abandonment. I was like freed from it. It like, it literally broke off the subconsciousness. And what it did was it helped me get completely better at seeing that everyone's codependency and fear of whatever is a lie. It's, it's a pattern that's stuck. And it goes, if I abandon her, she'll abandon me. And it'll feel the same as when my mom did when she picked me up from school and I wasn't there or whatever. Like it's, it's all this stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. So I've had many things. I've, I've had times where uh, I wanted to get over of the fact that when I was starting an open relationship with someone, she hooked up with someone I really didn't like <laughs> that she did hooked up with. So I took ayahuasca and guess what it did to help me release it. It showed me her sleeping with the sky like a hundred different ways. Like, you know, when you see a cartoon with stars floating around, mine yeah. was just her with this guy in 25 different positions, you know, and it just kept me <laughs> okay. Kept it in my face until I was okay with it. And then I released that judgment of it and I just saw it as beautiful and I lost the jealousy and the insecurity from it. I mean, it literally changed those things. I love that you just admitted uh, or said you had an open relationship and you're okay. I mean, I am open to everything attached to nothing as Wayne Dyer says, but I have a question. So I've never done ayahuasca. Number mm -hmm. one, I did so many drugs in my youth my teen years into early 20s, um, you know, the ketamine, the crack, the cocaine, the ecstasy, the everything all at once. So, like, I don't want to lose my mind. Like, it gives me such anxiety to yeah. even have the thought of that. Do you, which, I mean, so many people who are do ayahuasca or now, like, microdosing ketamine and ther the ketamine therapy and all of that, um, I don't know. I Do you think there's an, a natural way to release that trauma or? Well, I think that, I mean, first of all, one thing I would say to you is make sure it calls to you. Yeah. Cause, cause if you're, if you're still feeling, you're not sure I would honor that for a second, but if it feels like it's a highest calling and you're just scared of what you'll experience on the way through it, that's like skydiving, right? Like, mm -hmm. It's like, if you've never skydived, you're going to do it the first time and you're scared, but you're going to go through the fear and, and do it anyway. Right. So I think it, it can have that same effect. So basically what I'm saying is the first thing is obviously it has to call to you my belief. And I'm not a doctor. I, I would say it feels like it has a much more freeing and healing aspect versus an addictive aspect. I mean, it definitely can be addictive for people, but it's not, 
it doesn't have the same function as the drugs you just described. I think that it's its purpose is liberation and bringing things to light. But you, but there is a very big difference between people who are dragged into doing it and people who are called to doing it. Because people who are called to doing it surrender. People who are dragged into it are, are wanting to prove why it doesn't work. So they're in a fight with it. And you don't want to be in a fight with it because it's going to show you things like, dude, one time it killed me. Like I was on it and, and like it, I literally felt two hours in like, oh my God, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. And then I felt the me that goes, oh my God, I'm going to die, literally die and get pulled out of my body. And I became like the box that the me that was panicking was in. And suddenly I was on this other side. Now I was open enough to become present for the experience, even though it was horrifying. And then it became total freedom. But I see the people that have, I've seen people that have been on it that, um, that are not ready for it or are more protective of the smaller story or the egoic character or the trauma, you're just going to, in not every case, but you're probably just going to attack yourself. Yeah. You know, you're, you're, it wants to kill or d- dissolve in some cases that pattern that you might still be identified with. So if you are fully not present to a higher thing is doing its thing, it'd be like going into surgery, but not really wanting it. Right. Yeah. You're, you're like, don't cut me. That open. would be me. That would right. Be me. Well, <laughs> but and- like, I'll surrender. Even if I'm scared, that's different. No, I, I totally would be going into surgery, but not wanting it. And, and I'm also going through a process to where I, I was a caregiver to my mother and my husband, Bobby, too, and still figuring out 30 years of trauma, getting out of my body. And I'm trying to figure out the best way to do that. And I'm working through it. And it's way better now than it was in the first few months. But um, I don't know. I'm just always interested. Yeah. Yeah. Should we do some stuff? Oh, shit. Do you want to okay. do a thing? Do you want to do a thing in front of your people? Like, I mean, I, I, Oh, I do anything. Yeah. And I, yeah. Okay. Okay. This is, this can be an example. I don't know what we're going to do, but that's the only way I can do this. So this can be an example of, you know, maybe we can find in front of people through your vulnerability, uh, the higher you, right. Mm-hmm. Tell me again, what it is you're trying to figure out or going through or let go of again. So I have that clarity and I'll play with you and we'll do a little one-on-one for everyone. And I promise you in, in watching this, this could be really healing. Yeah. So I would say, so my mom passed away in September, 2021 mm-hmm. and I was with her the last three days. Um, and for those who have been with a, someone who is passing, it's pretty traumatic and you have a lot of visuals and, you know, it was like my mom, because she was schizophrenic and suffered from depression and, I was her parent, and so she was. It was kind of like losing a child, and I spent hours a day checking on her, talking with doctors, making sure she's okay. Got her, you know. Um, five, six years ago, they told me to put her on hospice, and I kept her alive for another five years. And thought we were going to have this mother-daughter relationship that we actually never could have mm. because she wasn't mentally capable. And then all of a sudden, she's gone one day, and I'm like. I don't have to call her, but it's like 30 years of this trauma and emotional abuse and everything. It's like, I didn't get out of bed, Bobby. What? I would sleep for a month. I'm already crying. I do this every podcast. I cry, (laughs) but, um, it's kind of like refiguring out, like 
your purpose, who I am, what is this? I never had the mother and I'm good with that. And I'm now that we're like six, seven months out, um, it's much better now. And I'm, but yeah, there's, it's still in there. Would you tell me just what you're feeling right now? Like after saying all that, like what would be the sensations or the feelings of like, whether it's a feeling of a physical sadness, like sadness or angry or, or whatever, or, or it could be also like, I feel unloved, invisible, alone, uh, lost. What would be a word for that? I'm not sad. Okay. Um, I'm so I'm grateful. And okay. a lot of times when I cry, it's like, I've worked so hard in creating this life and giving so much to others too. Um, I think I would say maybe there's just still that little girl and I've done all the inner child work and I've tried it, but um, I don't know. It's again, 30 years of trauma and never having a mother. Like what is that? So one of the things you said is trying to find your purpose and I love how present you're being and authentic. It sounds like it's honestly the energies that are coming to the surface. First of all, the things that are coming to the surface, they sound like, their patterns that said who I am is what, like someone who uh, is emotionally abused, someone who's stuck, someone who knows what her purpose is. Um, what would you, what would you say is coming out? The, the caretaker, the purpose person who needs to find that purpose. What is this that's coming out? I don't know. But then at the same time, I'm like, I have my purpose. I'm changing lives. I'm saving lives. I'm doing everything. Um, But I really, I don't know what the, where the, I don't know. I don't know what I'm feeling. Mm. It's not like I I used to have like this tightness in my chest. That's not there anymore. Um, I, I don't know. I, and I'm, so proud of who I am. I truly am and all that I'm doing and my wonderful husband that I have and my home and everything. But, you know, I think there's always like deep down just something that's like sad. Um, And maybe again, it just goes back to my mom I never had and having to be a parent to myself, which is I'm completely capable of. But I also, I have a huge undertaking by raising myself, raising my mother, doing it, you know, just doing a lot. So one of the little things that's coming up for me is there's a level of caretaking that you did partly to cover up what you felt under it. And quite a bit of the caretaker has cried out, I think. Yeah. But what I feel is now imagine like we got one box out and now there's this deeper, darker thing that's never been seen because it was covered up by the caretaker. Does this make sense so far? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this thing is, is perfect, but you were talking about kind of a deeper sadness, right? It feels like some kind of a concrete, like deeper thing. Can you feel like under the first layer of what character you created with your mom that's been slowly dissolving that under it, we hit a new rock. Can you feel that kind of, trapped feeling under it. It's almost like if I was drilling into the earth and we, we hit something metal here, mm-hmm. some kind of box or something. Do you feel any of what I'm talking about? Yeah. Like almost like, yeah. Yeah. And what were you going to say? Almost like 
I built my life around her. Right. And the funny thought is, I don't know who I am as backwards when I don't know who I am is actually more advanced because where you were before was you had all these ideas of you, but they were actually built around another person. So they were your egoic safety that you've identified as you. Like I got all my stuff together, my caretakers, even, even on your show here, which is the same thing I'm doing too. We are able to help so many people. So you feel like the caretaker in you scene, right? Which is also great. But the next level of your ascension and for as a byproduct, this show to be even bigger at one point and everything to keep growing is that thing that's under it, that's never been seen. There's something there because both of us see it, right? So this thing that's under it, what if I, can you feel it right now? Can you feel like this kind of bolder feeling deeper in the stomach? Yeah. I can. I saw it's actually upset. I'm getting anxious. <laughs> okay. So you're anxious because this is that that anxious doesn't just come out of the blue. The anxious is coming because we're we're getting to an area that's been practicing being not seen. It's it's like protected in being not seen. Mm-hmm. Right? It's it's it goes, oh my God, you guys are seeing me. And the pattern in your childhood said, if I'm seen, I'm in trouble or in danger or are abused or shamed, right? And now for the first time, it's being seen on a deeper level, but from compassion. So on one level, imagine like in your, imagine if your childhood was like a war zone and imagine that you, it was, it was a war zone, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So imagine you created a safe barricade. Okay. But now imagine you live in the barricade as safety. And after 30 years, your assumption is that it's still a war zone outside. So your barricade is still the most important place. And imagine you're talking to me and I'm like, let's go outside. But the only thing you know is the war zone is out there. And even if you mentally understand there's no war now there, mm-hmm. you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. You're still going to be scared to let go of the barricade. So imagine your mom passing is the death of the barricade right? And the pattern's still trying to somewhat stay in the barricade and it's identified with the barricade. And now the barricade's gone and you're like, I don't know who I was. Just so you know, we didn't either. We Before, we had a false idea of what we were before. I'm a caretaker. I'm someone who knows my purpose. I help a ton of people. Now, you still will, but what if we do it also through your frequency? Like, what if the egoic desire to help people to feel like you're still connected to a mom that you had to take care of all the time is also collapsing? And then what if now we're feeling this thing that's more true? So I'm looking at some kind of energetic boulder or or metal box there, and you're feeling anxiety because it's vulnerable for you to see. If I was to talk directly to that box, that, that, that boulder, whatever it is, What would you think it would say as the truest thing? Like, I feel trapped. I feel horrified. I feel invisible. I feel unloved. I feel unseen. I feel irrelevant. I feel abused. What would be the the coriest thing that it could say? I think a lot of those would be the stories that would come from the box. And I'm, I was just thinking in my head too, as you're saying this, and I'm like, as I mentioned, I'm leaving for tour for a month 
<laughs> or yeah, for a month in like two hours. And I'm scared because I keep thinking like the worst and having like always something traumatic or stress or this, but really it's something great. Like there's in my head, I just always am thinking chaos. Something's going to go wrong because that's how I've lived my life. Where in reality and the truth, it's such greatness and it doesn't have to be that. And that's the story I'm telling myself and the story that I am putting into a reality when really, Karina, it's all good. Yeah. But here's the thing I want you to know. You understand that mentally, but the trauma in the body has to experience it. So let me give you an example. If you were in a war zone as a child and you hid in a barricade and then every person you know came into the barricade and said, everything's cool, life is awesome. There's no way that the trauma in your body will leave until you walk out and experience that everything's okay. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, no matter how much we mentally know it's all perfect and whatever, the trauma in the body is literally stored like it was yesterday, right? So it's going, bullshit, I'm going to walk out there and everyone's my mom. The world is my mom. The world is my mom at her worst, right? The world is my childhood, right? So one of the things I would love to offer, especially if you're about to go on- (laughs) (laughs) Right now you got ayahuasca, which I swear can do sometimes more because I can explain what's going on. Ayahuasca just does it and doesn't tell you anything it's doing. So, so at least we can walk through it together. So if you right now, I want you to just, and everyone watching, this is such a great, you're so wonderful for being so open because I know you're going to help so many people heal by being in this vulnerability, which is hard when you've created also the character that's that leader. So you being in your vulnerability is even more permission for the average listener to see how not perfect we are, how we're all in this work together. It's so exciting. That vulnerability and that openness is I promise, so much more beneficial to the listener than when we all look like we have all our shit together and and create this illusion, you know, that everything's fine when deep down it's not, right? So if you right now notice that the space you're in literally around you is peace, right? It's just peace. I'm not saying there aren't wars in different areas. I'm not saying there's not danger in different areas. I'm not saying we can't find CNN or Fox News to create where there's problems and create the illusion there's danger when there usually isn't. But 99% of the time, this piece in the actual physical room is the truth, even if there's chaos in the body. The problem is the chaos is more connected to where there was danger and ignores the piece that's here. So if we start to actually listen to the piece, This, by the way, here's another thing. If you were always a caretaker, what do you think your biggest fear would be if you always did everything on your own? Everyone's going to be, this is going to help so many people because most people that are empaths and caretakers do it all on their own. So what do you think your biggest fear would be? I don't, when I think of that, I mean, my husband does a lot. He's my executive handyman, but mm-hmm. um, I but I also I take on a lot. And I'm like, no, I don't need help. I don't need. I yep, got this. I'm always like, no, no, you know. Yeah. 
it would be death to your pattern <clears throat> to receive help. Mm -hmm. Like I know there's a level you'll receive it. Someone else is filming this or we'll edit the video or whatever. Your husband helps with certain things. That's awesome. But the energy that protected yourself from your mom by caretaking her also protected yourself from the universe and in protecting yourself from high vibe people that really actually care with no agenda. Right. So a huge thing for you to, to do is say out loud right now in this moment to the universe or God or whatever you want to call it, or just the now, whatever, I need help. And the pat, yeah, feel that for a second. It's hard for me to even say that. Yes. It's, I want you to know something kind of exciting. It's hard for the pattern to say that. It's hard for what you thought you were to say that, but it's not hard for what you truly are to say that. And the tears are that pattern being so seen right now and coming to light that did everything as a protective mechanism for everyone else. That's what's coming to light right now. I need help. <laughs> now take a deep breath in and receive that you said that. In fact, say it again, even more sincerely, because <laughs> I know that that was the training wheels to make it kind of funny, right? But like if you really just talk to the universe and just hear yourself say with a vulnerable mentality, I, please help me. I need help. I need this is ultimate strength. This sounds like bad, but it's ultimate strength because you don't have to live your life always constantly in fear-based protection, doing everything yourself. There's a you that the universe wants to do work through and it's trying to, but if you're closed, like a, a, a clam or an oyster is closed and it won't let you in, I'm going to do it all myself. This energy that wants to help you can't because you're not receiving anything higher than you, right? So this energy is here wanting to help you and it loves you and it's here and you, you don't have to make this religious, everyone listening. Don't get caught in the, is that God or uh, universe, whatever, just the higher you. I believe actually that's more you because you just cried out a little bit of the pattern that's an only caretaker and you still are here. So the caretaker wasn't you because you're still here, even though parts of what you just cried out, a you five years ago would never have asked for help on the level you just did. Would you agree with that? right? So what did you cry out? You cried out what you thought was you, but actually was a pattern because you're still here. Like if you now that you cried a little bit, some, some, whatever you cried out just permanently left. There will be more. I, but, I feel a lightness. Right. That's I lighter. literally feel a lightness. Yes. Take a deep breath in. You feel a lightness because what you just cried out was replaced by more actual you, which is a lighter now frequency that can receive higher frequency ideas, more effortlessness while more gets done through you. More, more can, everyone's like, well, I gotta stay in my low frequency because I'm worried about money. Trust me, this frequency of the lightness you're feeling 
is actually worth more money than you egoically trying to do everything you can to prevent yourself out of fear from going broke. This is, this is worth more. This is a higher vibe. And can you see how that lightness you feel to answer your question from about an hour ago, what is frequency? Can you feel how you literally are feeling a little bit like you're on a higher frequency? I can. That's a higher vibration. That's lighter. And maybe the, when your mom died, a partial way to feel like she's still physically here was to keep elements of your caretaker alive. Because if you say goodbye to the caretaker, you also say goodbye more to the physical mom and your childhood version of you. And you actually probably will connect with your real mom more because you can't connect with her on the physical frequency. You're going to purge more of your physical, move to a higher frequency, and you'll see her in dreams like I saw my mom in dreams when she died. You know, like yeah. you'll see her talk to, you'll get higher guidance, you know, like whatever it is, there's a higher frequency version of her to connect to. So when we're trying to stay in the physical and connect to their physical body by keeping all their clothes and shit, you know, you're not staying with mom, you're actually staying with the physical body and you're keeping yourself more in your physical body than your higher vibrational body. So you just released more of what you thought you were, but what you actually aren't. And it's being replaced with what you actually are. Because whatever leaves is always replaced by more light. Thank and you're a hero for healing yourself or being open to doing the work and receiving help with me in front of your audience, because that's beyond your character's uh, willingness, right? But it's, it's your soul's willingness, soul's willingness, but you just chose your soul over your ego. And so it said in that safe place of help, goodbye to some of that egoic pattern. <sighs> wow. Thank you, Kyle. Thank you. I, I'm going to take a moment in silence. I literally, literally feel lighter. Like just me saying out loud, like I need help. I'm, I'm, I am not perfect. I have my days and I, um, I don't know. I'm I'm motivated by talking with you, hence why I would go to your retreats. Um, you're awesome. What, you're awesome. <laughs> Are you doing live events anymore? Or I, I'm probably going to do one soon. I haven't for a couple of years, and I've done them all. You know what I've done is I've I don't know if you're on my absolutely everything pass membership mm -hmm. thing. No. So, you know, I created this thing that is doing so unbelievably well and is so exciting to me because my thought was how can i add the most value ever by charge and charge almost nothing and i created this thing that's literally 29 dollars a month mm -hmm. you can cancel anytime and it's called the absolutely everything pass it has almost all of my past events in their entirety and it also has me doing a live call every sunday a live call every wednesday doing Q&A, like what people just saw here, you know, I do twice a week live with people in front of a, an audience online. We have thousands of people subscribed. And then we also every few months do a live two-day event online. And so I just finished one this weekend called Magic Money. And now the replay's up, but you can literally watch an 18-hour event called Magic Money 
and it's $29 a month. So it pays for itself over and over. And my goal is to make it so it's more expensive for you to not have it. And people are <laughs> shifting so much by being on it and losing their addictive patterns and crying out their old addictions and getting healthier, getting freer, getting in better relationships, letting go of things that don't serve them, but finding kind of miracle responses on the other side. The absolutely everything pass is, is me every you know few days and then we also have like breath work sessions and Ooh, team meditation and it's literally five days a week i'm doing live things and then there's a backlog 500 hour well, we'd love to have you yeah. like it, it's crazy and your audience will love it like people don't leave they love it yeah we'll put all of that info in the show notes too and then i have both of your books by the way the illusion of money and which i totally wanted to talk about that but We'll do sure. that another time. But, yeah, um, and then um, what is the other one? I hope I fuck this up or something. I hope I screw this up. <laughs> I screw, sorry. I just <laughs> we weren't allowed to say that. But uh, yeah, I, uh, Illusion of Money is my, I love them both so much. Illusion of Money, uh, I hope I screw this up is very funny. And one of the things that's so funny about it is I'd sent one edit to the publisher and they just published it. They didn't know that was an edit. And so, and here's the weird thing. The point of the book is when you make a mistake, it's still okay if you can love it and learn from it. Yeah. The book came out and became a New York Times bestseller when it was like a total mess. And so yeah, I hope oops. I this up as the only title that I could have for a book <laughs> that was not done. And it happened to be better because it was so full of mistakes. And the point is that that's kind of the, the point of it accidentally. And <laughs> And then The Illusion of Money is a book that I, I got to write and then tighten and make amazing. Yeah. And uh, that's my favorite of the two, but it's it's awesome. So that's, that's the cover of it. And oh, there. Yeah. Yeah, it's my new studio. It's, it's my daughter. And, and uh, my, mom, my mom drew this when I was one. Oh, she me. was an art. My mom was an artist, too. Yeah. Yeah. My mom passed away six weeks before my daughter was born. And her entire dream was to be a to be a um, grandma. And right before my daughter was born, she gets dementia at random and dies. And one of the biggest teachings I have is no one ever broke your heart, they, but they broke your expectations. The only thing they broke was your expectations. And by breaking your expectations, they got you closer to your heart. And luckily I knew that and got to apply that to this because my dream was also for my mom to be a grandma and me to have this daughter and experience her with my mom. And when my mom died, I had to uh, face that truth because I was so crushed that she died in itself, but right before my daughter was born. But I realized that also quite a, you'll, you'll like this, along with my mom dying, quite a bit of me who was always seeking her approval died too. Like the kid that wanted my mom to see me kind of fell out with her a lot. And so I realized that her dying also caused her to cause me to step into a higher version of myself and be a much more direct father to my daughter than if my mom were alive. And I was just like, mom, did you see her do this? Did you see her do this? Now do you like me because my daughter did this, you know? And instead I'm more of a man than a boy man for my daughter and more present partially because my mom passed away. Obviously I'd choose to have her here, but her going which of course was horrifying and terrible. And I wish she was here. Also though, you start to understand, oh, that could be life also 
making me grow up more, you know? Yeah. I, I relate to that too. I would say since my mother passed, I've become a stronger person. I don't, I mean, she never was like, I'm proud of you, Karina. She never, you know, right. Anything I ever did never existed. Don't bring it up, you know? Right. Um, you know, she didn't tell me I love you until her last days, you know? And, but yeah, I've become a bit more outspoken, a bit more just in my own skin. And um, hmm. she's, her death has taught me a lot. Yeah. Like imagine if there's a part of you that felt resentment because you never felt she was proud of you or wanted that proudness, right? Or was mm -hmm. seeking that. And then when she goes now, some of that energy that wants that proudness collapses with it. Mm -hmm. And then you're just on the other side feeling love, like on a higher level than proudness would ever get you. Right. Yeah. Like, and just feeling the love in your own body, that lightness you felt when you cried that out, that you were assuming you could get from her ego. And we also got to remember our parents, everyone watching has got to remember or listening. Our parents grew up in a different time mm -hmm. that the consciousness was different, right? Like my dad was born in 48. So he grew up in the fifties before like Martin Luther King even showed up. So like, I don't even want my dad's approval. I want the 1950s approval. You get what I mean? Like I want oh, what yeah. it conditioned him to become. It's like, you're an iPhone 13 trying to get approval from a rotary phone and a rotary phone's like, I don't even understand apps or upgrading or anything. You know, you can, we're trying to get approval from people that were at a dip, more difficult level of consciousness that wasn't exploring the things we're exploring today. And dude, our kids are going to be even looking at us as <laughs> like, you know, like that was so heavy. That's when my dad was just starting to figure out consciousness and that's all we are. You know, I don't know what it'll be like, but yeah. even we'll be at a heavier consciousness than the future. Yeah. <sighs> all right, Kyle, I'm going to go. <laughs> thank you so much um thank you i hope that we can have another conversation again too because there's so many questions i have for you um and i think everyone listening or watching in the community is going to get so much from this so i appreciate you so much and once you have a live event again asilomar or wherever it may be when it feels right for you bobby and i will be there I think we will. I'm, we're definitely eyeing that again. I miss doing it. And I would love to have you there. We'll have front row seats available for you right away. <laughs> we'll okay. for you. And bring that lightness that you felt onto this tour, you know, and congrats on this tour. It's going to be amazing, but bring that lightness and make it bigger than the results of the tour. You know what I mean? Like the now is more important than how many we sell or how we look or whatever. Those are passing things. And that lightness is you and it's going to be perfect. Thank you. Thank you all. All right. Thanks, Kyle. Thank you for having me. So good to see you. Thank you for joining us today and every Wednesday. If you or anyone you know needs help now, text HERO to 741-741 to connect with a crisis counselor. Our crisis text line is private and confidential. If you loved this episode or think a loved one could benefit from listening, please share. And follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the.big.silence. 
Head over to thebigsilence.com to sign up for our newsletter to stay in the loop for live events coming up and details on the release of my memoir, The Big Silence. And as always, we'd love a like, subscribe, and leave a review on anywhere the podcast can be found. I love you, and I will see you next Wednesday. One, two, three, sing it. Here's to radical self-love, the type of love that will defeat anxiety, the type of love that defeats depression. This is the one life. This is the moment. This is the time to dig in, to be who you already are. The big silence. The big side.